0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap. Your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 23rd. I'm your host, Mike Maharry. Thanks for tuning in. Pop some popcorn. Grab a beverage. We're about to have some political theater. I'm going to get to that here in just a few minutes, but first a quick overview of the week. It's been pretty quiet as far as the gold market goes. Uh, We were back above $1,800 an ounce early in the week, and we've kind of been drifting downward as the week has gone on. Uh, We had a bit of a rally yesterday, but this morning we're back below $1,800 an ounce. We're trading at about $1,795 as I'm recording the podcast. We're still seeing a good bit of dollar strength, and that's creating a good bit of headwind for gold. The dollar index has been hovering just below a three and a half month peak, which is really weird when you consider how much inflation we're seeing right now. We had a sharp stock market sell-off globally on Monday as traders fretted over the resurgence of COVID-19, but that was pretty short-lived and investors went back to risk-on on on Tuesday. And uh, We've seen gains in the stock market every day since. I really don't think overall sentiment has changed all that much. I think there's still a lot of concern out there about inflation. But not really about inflation itself. I mean, you don't buy dollars if you think dollars are going to lose value over the long term, which is by definition what happens when you have inflation. But markets are worried that the Fed is going to tighten in order to fight inflation, even though Powell keeps telling us that it's not about to tighten and it's certainly not tightening right now. But the markets are worried about higher interest rates and that the Fed will begin to taper its asset purchases. They're worried that the central bank is going to shut down the party sooner than expected, basically. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand announced an end to its quantitative easing program, and that is, I think, kind of been viewed as a precursor to a rate hike. I think a lot of people think that might be a canary in the coal mine, and other bigger central banks are going to follow that same path. That's why we're not seeing much interest in gold, even when the markets get jittery and go into their little safe haven mode. When stocks sold off early this week, gold was pretty steady. I think it was up a few bucks on Monday, but people weren't piling into gold, and they're not because they not only think the Fed will fight inflation, but that it's going to win the fight against inflation. Now, I've run through this scenarios multiple times on this show, and I've explained why I don't think the Fed is going to rush to tighten monetary policy in order to deal with inflation, why Powell and company are going to put it off as long as possible, and why when they finally do get around to it, their little 50 or 100 basis point rate hikes aren't going to do anything to inflation, but it is going to pop the economy's bubble. So, I'm not going to beat that dead horse again today. But I do want to touch on the impacts of inflation. In a nutshell, you're paying more and you're getting less. We got the retail sales numbers for June. We had a healthy 0.6% increase month on month. Now, granted, we had a really big dip in May, so we're not even really back to the levels we were seeing in March and April. But month on month, 0.6% increase. Everybody looked at that as pretty good retail sales numbers. But price increases in June far outran the increase in retail sales. In fact, they outran retail sales for the entirety of the second quarter. Consumers paid significantly more in every retail category. I'm just going to run through them here. Food bought at stores was up 0.8%. Prices at restaurants, delis, and cafeterias were up 0.7%. The price of gasoline was up 2.5%. Durable goods prices, including appliances, electronics, autos, furniture, etc., up 3.5%. Now, mind you, this is month-on-month increases. Since retail sales are expressed in dollar amounts, they reflect rising prices as well as how much is sold. In other words, just because dollar widget sales increase doesn't mean people bought more widgets, like the quantity of widgets. It could be that they bought fewer widgets, but they paid more money for them. This is exactly what is happening in many retail sales segments. I'll give you just one example real quick. Gasoline. Gas station sales rose by 2.5% in June to $47 billion, but the price of gasoline also rose 2.5% in June. That means consumers bought roughly the same amount of gasoline in June as they did in May, but they paid more for it. There were similar dynamics in the other sectors. So when Powell is yammering about transitory inflation, just remember that it's having a pretty profound not-transitory impact on your wallet right now. So are you ready for the next big blockbuster feature? At the political theater, because it's coming. So like I said, get your popcorn, get your beverage, get your comfy chair ready. We are setting up for the next big U.S. debt ceiling battle. The Congressional Budget Office projects Uncle Sam will run out of money this fall, likely in October or November Quote, if that occurred, the government would be unable to pay its obligations fully and it would delay making payments for its activities, default on its debt obligations or both. This is the CBO uh, in a statement. In 2019, Congress suspended the debt limit for two years. That suspension ends on July 31st. So that technically means the new debt ceiling is whatever the debt is on July 31st, which is going to be around $28.5 trillion. Congress imposed the first ever debt ceiling all the way back in 1917. It was in the Second Liberty Bond Act, uh, which was passed in World War I. It capped debt at $11.5 billion. Now, this was supposed to put some kind of restraint on government borrowing. Of course, it didn't i mean think about this a minute the original ceiling was 11.5 billion dollars with a b now we're at 28.5 trillion dollars with a t i'm gonna go out on a limb and definitively announce congress limiting itself doesn't work Every time the debt approaches the ceiling, Congress just raises it. Between 1962 and 2011, lawmakers jacked up the debt limit 74 times. This is according to data from the Congressional Research Service. In 2013, Congress came up with a new trick. Instead of raising the debt ceiling, it just suspended it. Congress set the last actual debt limit back in 2014 with a built-in auto-adjust. The auto-adjust ended in March 2015 with the debt ceiling set at $18.1 trillion. So that was about $10 trillion ago. Since then, Congress has suspended the debt ceiling three more times. When the current debt ceiling suspension ends on July 31st, the U.S. government will no longer be able to borrow money. According to the CBO, it will be able to kind of limp along until this fall using extraordinary measures. That's actually the term they use, extraordinary measures. Basically, a lot of it's just accounting tricks. According to Reuters, the feds can stop issuing certain special securities to state and local governments. There's other technical things that they can do, things that they can suspend, put off it's not completely clear how long the government can get by with these accounting gimmicks. The CBO said it will depend on actual revenue collection and actual government spending over that time period, which of course can differ significantly from the projections but uh, as I said earlier, they're talking about you know October, November, maybe September uh, the government's done. So given that the debt ceiling has never meaningfully restrained borrowing and spending, why does Congress keep it around? I mean, why not just scrap the thing altogether, right? Well, I think there's two reasons. First, doing away with the debt ceiling would expose America's fiscal irresponsibility to the entire world. I mean, we all know that the federal government has a spending problem, right? This isn't any big secret, but the debt ceiling creates the illusion of fiscal responsibility. You know, it's kind of like a magic trick, uh, you know, a, mag- a magician performing this trick. We all know. It's not really magic. It's an illusion that's created by the mag- magician. But we like to believe that it's magic, right? It makes us feel good. It's fun. The debt ceiling is an illusion that allows Americans to feel like their representatives are acting responsibly. It's an illusion, but it makes us feel good, so they keep it around. Second, the debt ceiling is ready-made for political theater, and there's nothing politicians love more than political theater. And they're already setting it up. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has already indicated that the Republicans aren't going to vote for a debt ceiling increase because of the Democrats' wild spending spree that he called a, quote, free for all for taxes and spending, end quote. I mean, thank goodness for those Republicans standing tall with their great fiscal restraint and responsibility, right? By the way, this is also a nice tool for Republicans. They can use this to get what they want out of the infrastructure deal Congress is currently haggling over. And, and, of course, all of this is rank hypocrisy, right? The Republicans borrowed and spent like drunken sailors. No, ex, uh, no offense to any drunken sailors out there. But uh, they did borrow and spend like drunken sailors all through the Trump years, and they approved the last debt ceiling suspension. So even today, Republicans aren't opposing the infrastructure bill. They just want it to be their kind of infrastructure bill. So, you know, all that stuff I said about... Uh, Republican fiscal responsibility, Uh, hopefully you got, I'm being sarcastic, right? Meanwhile, Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called McConnell's remarks, quote, shameless, cynical, and totally political. Because, you know, we all know that the Democrats are just trying to do what's best for America. They don't have any political motivations there at all. And then we've got some people out there sounding the alarm. Failure to raise the debt limit would have Catastrophic economic consequences, as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen put it. She said, It would be utterly unprecedented in American history for the United States government to default on its legal obligations. Now, for once, Yellen's not wrong. And this is exactly why Congress will raise the debt ceiling, or it'll simply kick the can down the road by suspending it again. In the meantime, brace yourself for a lot of drama. For some hot political rhetoric, a lot of finger-pointing across the political aisle. I mean, we may even get another mythical government shutdown. But trust me, they won't shut down anything you would want them to shut down. You know, I mean, I guarantee you the IRS is going to keep on collecting taxes. Regulators are going to keep on regulating. I'm certain the NSA will keep listening to your phone calls. And members of Congress will continue to collect their paychecks. True story, when the government quote-unquote shuts down, Congress critters still get paid. There's always money available for the things that the government really wants to do. I remember during the shutdown when Obama was in office, I think it was like 2013, they closed Mount Rushmore. Yes, your government closed outside. They literally blocked the road so people couldn't drive up and look at a mountain with carvings on it. I mean, it's just silly. It's designed to make you think you need the politicians. It's designed to inconvenience you. It's not inconveniencing them. I mean, like I said, Congress is still getting paid, right? It's all about power and control. This hasn't even gotten rolling yet, and I can tell you exactly how it will end. I mean, this is not uh, a mystery. You know, it's not a movie that has a surprise ending. They'll raise or suspend the debt ceiling. There's no doubt about it. It's as simple as that. In fact, there are some scenarios where the Democrats can actually do it without any Republican votes, but they won't do that because they'll try to make it looked like uh, you can't see Mount Rushmore because Mitch McConnell's a big fat meanie head. So just remember when the media starts breathlessly reporting about possible government shutdown and all of this, you know, default and all of these things, it's all just a show. Treat it as such. Pop your popcorn, grab your beer, enjoy the production. I'm running out of time, but I also have to note that all of this wrangling over the debt ceiling wouldn't even be necessary if Congress simply followed the Constitution. You know, it features a built-in limit on spending, the enumerated powers, the list of things that Congress is allowed to spend money for. Most of the things that Congress borrows and spends for aren't authorized by the Constitution. I mean, just consider the massive infrastructure bill that they're debating right now. The Constitution doesn't delegate any power to Congress to spend money on infrastructure. In fact, President James Madison vetoed a bill in 1817, a plan that called for funding the construction of various roads, bridges, and canals throughout the country. In his veto message, Madison asserted that the Constitution does not delegate power For such internal improvements, I'll actually link to Madison's veto message in the show notes page. It's pretty short, well worth the read. It's a quick, easy lesson on the limits of federal power. The bottom line is the Constitution put strict limits on congressional spending. If Congress stayed within those limits, the government could easily pay for everything. Just through taxation. It wouldn't need to borrow billions of dollars every single month, and we wouldn't need a fake debt ceiling to control borrowing. Sadly, Congress doesn't even play lip service to the constitutional spending limits. Instead, it plays lip service to the fake debt ceiling. Of course, at some point, all of this borrowing and spending will come back to bite us all in the butt. It's not sustainable. Now, people will say, Mike, they've sustained it this long. Yes, that's true, but everything is sustainable until it isn't you should be prepared for that moment the moment it is it isn't a shift gold precious metal specialist can help with that give them a call 1-888-GOLD-160 or email them at info at they can help you out they'll look at your personal situation your goals your portfolio and explain how precious metals can work into your investment planning so do that today that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. Keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes. Uh, we're on the Shift Gold YouTube uh, channel. We're on Stitcher. Links to all of this stuff is over on the show notes page. I definitely appreciate the fact that you've taken the time out of your day to listen to the show. And I'll talk to you again next week.